0: Um, So, this morning, the title of my message is Stand, Just Stand, and we need to understand it's not a cliche thing to say, just stand. I want you to understand what the Bible means when we are challenged to stand, and we're going to look through and we're going to explore that today. Uh, My opening verses are familiar verses to all of us. They're found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 10 through 13. Ephesians 6:10 through 13, English Standard Version says, finally be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, not if, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after having done everything, stand. So our struggles in this life are real, and we can make this personal. I can say, my struggles in life are real. Your struggles, the things that, that you're struggling with right now, they are real. Um, they are powerful, they're inevitable. God knows this and he wants to, wants to prepare us to stand strong against the onslaught of the enemy's attacks. So he's given us scripture and he's given us away because the enemy's job is to throw you off track. The enemy's job is to distract you. The enemy's job is to discourage you. The enemy's job is to get you to sit down, lay on the battlefield in a fetal position and say that's enough. But God's responsibility to us is to stand. We've been taught that our hardwired response to confrontation or to struggle is fight or flight. But Paul comes and tells us there's another option. There's an option from the realm of heaven. And sometimes God's reaction and the way he wants us to respond is to stand. He wants us to stand, he wants us to pause, he wants us to hear from him, and he wants us to prepare so that we can walk in step with where he wants us to go. So there's another option today, that option is to stand. Whether your battle is internal, whether it is external, whether it's a temporary situation you're walking through, or it's a more long-term permanent situation, it could be life-altering, or it can be mildly annoying. God's command does not change. God's word tells us we are not to be passive participants, but to be proactively prepared to act in step with the leading of the Holy Spirit. And our first point this morning is standing is more than a simple posture. When God calls us to stand, he's not calling us to stand at attention and to look pretty. He's calling us to prepare ourselves. That that Greek word for stand has, has many definitions. Some of them include to stop, stand still, and be immovable. And that's how a lot of us think of the idea of stand. But it also means to continue safe and sound. To stand unharmed, ready, and prepared. It means to be of a steadfast mind. Standing is a mindset. It means one who does not hesitate or waver. Standing takes commitment. When I read over these definitions, not a single one implies a simple posture or a passive act. act. Rather, they all require effort on the part of the person standing. And this comes to our second point. When we're talking about standing today, this is what I mean. Standing is an attitude that is accompanied with action. Standing is a determination. Standing is a state of mind. Standing is moving forward and not wavering and being assured that God has called you what to do. Standing is an action word. It's an attitude or determination that is accompanied with action. And as we begin to unpack the message today, I'm going to be reflecting on the story of Mordecai to help us unpack this. Now, when you travel to a hotel, you have an option. You can leave all your clothes in the suitcase on the little stand they provide you, or you can take the clothes out of the suitcase, put them in the dresser that they provide, and be at home. Well, when I preach a message, I don't, I don't wanna leave the stuff in the suitcase, I wanna unpack it, and I wanna prepare it for you to give out, so we'll be unpacking some things this morning, and some of these things that we unpack, they may speak to your heart, I challenge you to take them and run with them. Others of them you may see. I don't need that swimming suit. I'm not going swimming, it's too cold, but we're going to unpack some things, and there's going to be things in the unpacking that really speak to you, and we're going to to spend time looking at the story of Mordecai. Now, the book of Esther has two main characters. Sometimes the beauty of Esther overshadows the starring role that Mordecai plays. Mordecai is a story that chronicles the rise of Esther as queen, but it is also the story of how one man stood firm while being deported to a foreign land. One man who who passed his resolution to stand onto his family. One man who refused to compromise his convictions. One man who saved the life of a king. One man who was targeted and marked for death by a prideful bully. One man who trusted in God with all of his heart and stood in the gap for his people. One man who was promoted to positions of authority and power And by the way, this man is the adopted daughter of the beautiful Queen Esther, whom the book is named after. We need to make sure that we don't allow the enchanting beauty of Esther to overshadow the story of Mordecai. Now, there's not enough time today to unpack all of the great things in the book of Esther, so I'm hoping I stir you to go home and read the book of Esther. And just learn some lessons from it today, but there's sections of it we'll be referring back to. We're going to reflect on Mordecai and Esther and observe how they demonstrate a determination to act in step with the Holy Spirit. So standing is an attitude, it's a state of the mind, but it's also committed and prepared to act in step with the Holy Spirit. When God calls us to stand, he calls us to be in step with him. Number two, standing requires preparation. It's impossible to stand without being prepared. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13 reads, Therefore take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. When when we first decided to teach on this in mighty, in, in The Mighty Men, it was actually... Charles that gave the idea and it was this last few words that stuck with me having done all to stand are we as men and are we as women doing everything that God has called us to do to stand and represent him the way this is read in some other trans- translations the new living translation says then after the battle you will still be standing firm the message transliteration says to stand firm in your place fully prepared immovable I'm sorry The amplified version says to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, and victorious. The message says so that when it's all over but the shouting, you will still be on your feet. Standing is not automatic, but it requires preparation to do it well. I remember hearing stories of my brother, when he was like six years old, he was asked to be the ring bearer in my aunt's wedding. You know, they dressed him up in a nice tux and they had the big lapels, because this was early 70s. And he, 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 he was told, all you have to do is stand here, your dad will be right there, just stand. So as a six year old, he stands and he has his feet locked and about halfway through the ceremony, he falls on his face, because he was not prepared to stand. And, and maybe that's how we feel sometimes. With enthusiasm, we run out to a situation and and we're determined to stand, but we fail to prepare, and maybe we actually fall flat on our face. That's okay, God will give us another chance. Though I don't believe my brother was ever asked to be a ring bearer again. (laughs) Standing requires preparation. In the story of Esther, you see that Esther and Mordecai had to prepare to stand. Um, Esther sent word to Mordecai in Esther chapter 4 and said, I want you to pray and fast. I'm going to pray and fast. All of my attendants are going to pray and fast. And I want you to get word out to all the Jews in Susa to pray and fast. Because I'm going to go before the king. And if I die, I die. But if he hears me, he hears me. All right? Sometimes we need to understand, when you're going into a more intense spiritual situation, you're not fighting flesh and blood. You can't see your enemy, and your enemy's going to do everything in his power to mess you up. So there's preparation that's involved, and we want to we look at some of the preparation. When preparing to stand, it's important that we remember, the first thing we need to remember is that standing is difficult. It's not easy. All right, we have a, a homeschool co-op that meets here during the week, and uh, you can hear the teachers tell them, just stand here, just stand here, it's not hard. Well, when you're standing in battle, or you're seven years old, standing is hard. <laughs> and we, I want to dispel any myths. I want to dispel many misunderstandings that God's just calling you to go out and stand in the battlefield and smile and be happy and everything's going to be okay. No. He's calling you to stand, and it will be difficult. It was difficult for Mordecai. He didn't have it easy. He, he was involved in prayer and fasting and repentance. He was targeted. His life was in danger, but he was still willing to stand on behalf of the nation of Israel because he understood it would sometimes be difficult to stand. Uh, number two, standing stretches you. Right. I have discovered in my walk with God, the reason God doesn't reveal everything to me is because I would turn in my resignation. He shows me what I need to know when I need to know it and gives me what I need to be successful. And then he says, that's a good job. Now here's step two. Because what's he doing? He is stretching us. He's preparing us for more. He's preparing us to be steadfast. He's preparing us to be resolute. Stretching happens in ways you cannot imagine. Think about Mordecai. He was deported. He suffered family loss. He was bullied. His life was threatened. That's stretching, man. Yet, he stood firm. So don't be surprised in the midst of standing when God asks you to do something you've never done before. That's when he asks you to do it. He doesn't give you time to practice at home. We're to be prepared. Number, the next one, standing can be uncomfortable. All I need to say on this is two words, sackcloth and ashes. Mordecai was in sackcloth and ashes. That's not comfortable. And lastly standing may be misunderstood. Not everyone's going to understand why you stand. Not everyone's going to agree with why you stand. It can be a family member, it can be a friend, it can be an employer, it can be a neighbor, it can be the community, it can it can be an enemy and they misunderstand why you're standing so you get in their target. That's what happened with Mordecai. All right, Mordecai is, he, he's at the city gates because Esther's been, been taken into the kingdom and they don't have Facebook, they don't have Twitter. The only way to know what's going on and what's happening in there is at the city gate. So Mordecai is at the city gate daily so he can hear what's going on in the kingdom. And one of the highest officials in the land is an arrogant, prideful man. And he was given the position by the king. The king liked him. And the king said, you know, you should, you should bow down and worship this man when he, comes in, when he walks through the city gates. So here's Mordecai at the city gates. Here comes Haman coming through. Everyone's bowing, and Mordecai's just standing there. Not one day, but day after day. And it just irritated Haman. Because Haman didn't understand. Haman's thought, Mordecai's refusal to bow down to him, was personal. But no, it was a spiritual reason. He believed he was not to worship anyone else but the living God. So there was a misunderstanding. So that misunderstanding set Haman on a plan to not only kill Mordecai, but to kill all the Jews because of a misunderstanding. And when we stand for God, not everyone will always understand why we're standing. And sometimes it may get the attention of the enemy and then we need to be prepared to stand Even tougher even more resolute. Um, so standing requires preparation. Uh, John 15, 19 tells us, for you were of the world, if you were of the world, the world would love you as much as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of this world, therefore the world hates you. They don't understand your choice. They don't understand your decision. So standing requires Preparation, but also standing is positional, and I'm not speaking of a vertical position. All right. Um, Proverbs chapter three and verse five says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding." Verse six says, "In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths." It's positional, and it's a question of where is your trust positioned. When you stand, if your trust is positioned in the wrong thing, you will fail. If you trust in the Lord with your whole heart, what that means is that you trust God and his ability to do what he's promised. Period. He doesn't owe you an explanation. He doesn't owe you a plan. You trust God and what he's promised to do. We do this on a natural basis every day. I observed as people came in this morning, I did not see a single person test the chair before they sat on it. They came in, they put their stuff down, they sat down. Our police officers and our servicemen on a regular basis, when they put on that bulletproof vest, they believe that if they were unfortunately shot, that vest would save them and it would protect their life. Every time somebody jumps out of a perfectly good airplane They are trusting that that parachute was packed correctly, and it's going to open correctly before they hit the ground. So we do it in the natural, but somehow in our spiritual standing, we don't have the ability to put that much trust in God. We won't jump out of the plane until God tells us exactly how he's going to save us before we hit ground. We won't take that step that we know God wants us to take while we're standing because we don't trust him enough. I believe God is calling the church to understand and go on a search of what it means to trust God and what it means to say God, not only do I believe you will do what you are promised you do, I know you are capable of doing it and I'm gonna trust you to do it, whether you give me an explanation or not. That's what it means to trust in God. That's our first choice, that's our first position. The other position is to lean on your own understanding. That word lean means to put your weight on. If I go over and I go against this wall and I lean on it, I'm confident that wall is going to hold me up. But if you lean on your own understanding, there's not that confidence. Has anyone ever leaned against a fence only to find that it's wobbly and not secure? Maybe you, you start to, simple, to, to stumble or something and you, and you lean on another person to find out they weren't stable and you both end up on the ground. That's the picture that's painted in that verse when it says to lean on your own understanding. Eventually, your own understanding will fail you. But God's truth will never fail. We get in trouble when we think, so number two, your own understanding. We get in trouble when we think we have to understand a situation before we can trust in God's ability to handle that situation. Let me say that again. We get ourselves in trouble when we think we have to understand a situation before we place our trust in God to handle that situation. See, that's, that's, that's where those two come together. If I trust God, I don't have to understand. I just know God will do it. Don't know how, don't know where. I know he will do it. Our understanding is always incomplete. and incomplete understanding gets you in trouble. I can give you an example from the from the book of Esther, all right? So Haman is furious, he's ordered a decree that all of the Jews will be executed on this specific day, the king has signed it, they've sent out the horsemen to to spread this throughout the whole empire. Haman's plan to exterminate the Jews has been put into motion, Mordecai reads it, and Mordecai's response is to put on sackcloth and ashes and go to the city gates. Now, he can't go beyond the city gates because there can be, be politically correct here, he can't go beyond the city gates because the government wouldn't want anyone to think there was something wrong. So it's only happiness and joy and positive things going on once you pass the city gates. So he's outside of the city gates. Esther's attendants hear of this, all right? It it was not, he was noticeable, Okay, Esther's attendants, they hear about this, they go to Esther, Esther does not understand. All right, so what does Esther do? She goes shopping. She picks out a new outfit for Mordecai, she makes sure everything matches, she makes sure it'll be something he'll want to wear, and then she wraps it up and she gives it to her her attendant and says, please go take this to Mordecai and ask him to put it on, to dress properly, and to quit embarrassing me. And Mordecai says no. See, Esther had an incomplete understanding That's why we can't trust in our own understanding. Now, once Esther understood completely, the whole situation changed. But our own understanding of a situation will fail you. How many of us have been in a place where we thought we understood? And we even created and made an offense build up in us and we we began to have all this stuff working in us. When finally it comes to light, we understand, oh, that's not what was happening at all. See, that's leaning on your own understanding. So trust is positional. I can choose to trust in God or I can choose to trust in my own understanding and something else and it'll get me in trouble. Lastly, number four, we all have a part. God has called everyone to stand. So we all have a part in standing. Esther and her attendants, they had a part. Mordecai and the rest of the Jews, they had a part. Even the king had his part to play in standing firm on behalf of the Jews. Today I just want us to look at five roles that unfold um, in the book of Esther. Each role playing a different part in Mordecai's journey of standing. Four of the roles are great, one of the roles... Try to avoid. Okay, the first one is the, is the role that Mordecai played. Mordecai played the role of the vision bearer. Okay, Mordecai is the one that understood what was taking place. He understood it was a spiritual attack. He understood it was against God's people, but he also knew that God promised his people would not be in captivity for the rest of their lives. He would bring them back. He promised to restore the nation. So Mordecai stood as the vision bearing saying, the king does not have the final decision. My God does. And see, and when we stand, there has to be a vision bearer that, that gathers the people to stand with them. Esther, Esther played the role of the risk taker. Okay? Esther had to take the first risk. A- and in a difficult situation, there's always one person that kind of steps out before everyone else. They're the risk taker. Okay, in, in the, the way the Babylonian kingdom worked, they had lots of rules and they had lots of regulations and they had to be followed. Esther could not decide she wanted to walk in the kingdom and see how her husband was doing when he was in the throne room. It's not allowed. The king's a very important man. You don't even make an appointment with the king, the king makes an appointment with you. And if you dare to come before the king without an appointment that he's made, most of the time it ends in death. But the king, if he likes you, he could extend his sword and extend you favor. So Esther is the risk taker. She says, we're gonna pray, we're gonna fast, I'm not gonna do it alone, my attendants are gonna do it with me, is gonna do it, all the Jews that are in the area are gonna do it, and when I go before the king, I'm gonna trust God that this is what he wants me to do. That's a risk taker. It's one thing to put your money into something, it's another thing to put your life into something. Esther stood as a risk taker. The the next role we see is fulfilled by all of the Jews, and that's the role of prayer support. We can never neglect the importance of prayer support while we're standing. All right. And if you know somebody is going through a difficult time, if you know somebody is struggling and God brings them to your mind, God's calling you to offer prayer support to that person while they're standing. It's not necessary that you call them. It's not necessary that you know what's going on. God brought them to mind. You start praying for them immediately. All right, and then if the opportunity comes, you can talk to them about it. But that's how we offer prayer support to someone who's standing. If you get someone's name in your mind at two o'clock in the morning, it's not because God wants you to schedule lunch with them. I firmly believe it's because they need encouragement in their standing and you need to start praying in the throne rooms because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Okay? And then there's, there's King Xerxes and his role was that he provided international legitimacy and authority to Mordecai's decision to stand. Because when the king understood all that was happening when he didn't, when he didn't function in impartial knowledge or understanding, he issued a new decree, and he gave permissions, and and he gave validation to the Jews, and hinted very straightforwardly, I wouldn't recommend attacking them if I were you. He couldn't change the law, but he provided protection under the law. See, so he provided the, the legitimacy. He provided the authority. Have you ever stood, and you felt like you're standing alone, and then somebody that you respect comes and gives validity to what you're doing? It, it brings encouragement. See, the, Esther tells us the people were encouraged because of the king's command. And then the, the, the last role is a role that Haman played, and he's the adversary. This may not be a popular truth, but the fact is, when you're standing, there will always be an adversary trying to trip you up. The adversary could be a person, the adversary could be a thing, but the role of the adversary is try to distract you from what God's called you to do. Five roles that we see unfold in the book of Esther. Maybe you want to ask yourself if you're in the process of standing, which of those roles am I fulfilling? So we all have a part in standing. My part my responsibility in standing is I need to, number one, stand in truth. I need to know the truth of God's word. I need to know why I'm standing. I need to make sure I'm not standing on my own understanding of a situation, but I'm standing on the truth in God's word because that is what gives me the ability to stand. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. Romans eight thirty-one says, If God is for me, who can stand against me? That's a truth you can take to the bank. All right, Isaiah 54, 17 tells us, no weapon formed against me will prosper. So those are the truths that we can stand on. If God is for me, who can be against me? So we need to study the truth. We need to know the truth. We need to know that God has called us to stand. Mordecai was confident that he was called to stand because there was an edict that went against God's word. How do I know when to stand? When, some, when something is trying to pull me apart, when something is trying to divert me, when something, something or someone is trying to stop me from fulfilling the word of God, I need to take a stand. We stand in truth. We stand having prepared. All right, Ephesians tells us, put on the full armor of God because it's God's armor that protects us. This isn't a pretend game. It's a real war that the enemy wants to win. So he will lie. He will cheat. He will steal. He'll do whatever it takes to mess you up. But the full armor of God protects us from head to toe and even in the going out with the gospel of Jesus Christ with with our feet. So we prepare to stand. We don't go in it half cocked. We need to make sure we are fully prepared. The next way we stand is we stand in freedom. We stand in the freedom of knowing that ultimately the battle belongs to the Lord. I don't have to understand how he's gonna bring about the victory. I just have to trust him to do what he's promised. So I stand in the freedom of knowing that it's not my battle, they're not attacking me, they're attacking God. Whenever someone rises up against the truth of the scriptures, it's not personal. They're taking it against God, they're just using you as the avenue in which to carry it out. I stand in freedom. Next thing I do is I stand in confidence. I stand in confidence because I know who God is, what God can do, and who I am in him. I know that I am loved, I know I am forgiven, I know that I am called, I know that I am adopted, I know that I am justified, I know that I am sanctified, and I know that I'm promised a victory. That's the confidence that we stand in. And if we go into battle without that confidence, we're an easy target to be picked off by the enemy. If we go into battle thinking that it's all Praise songs, I don't mean anything against praise songs, but just dancing and singing and leaping and not being prepared to fight, we get ourselves in trouble. There's a mental preparation, there's a physical preparation, there's a determination to act in step with the Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit says go, you go because you trust God enough to do it. I stand in confidence. The next point is really important, especially for men. Because as men, we tend to think if it's, if it's going to be, it's up to me. But we, standing is easier together. You don't really see God it, it happens occasionally, but that's the exception. The norm is God calls us to stand together. And it's so much easier when somebody is standing next to us and standing alongside of us. They providing encouragement, providing prayer. Mordecai had a team of people standing with him. Mordecai had no chance at getting an audience with the king, but Esther did. So that's our responsibility. Our responsibility is to know the truth, to to be prepared, to stand in freedom, stand in confidence. And when you're really struggling, find someone to stand with you. It's okay to pick up the phone and say, I'm struggling, I need prayer. Don't reject the help that God has already provided. God's responsibility, what has God promised to do? Essentially, he's promised to do everything else. But I just want, I want to pull out three very specific things. God's promise is that he will deliver us. Not he might deliver us, he will deliver us. Um, in Exodus chapter 14 and 13, the, the Jews have left Egypt the, the Egyptians are riding up on them. They face the Red Sea on one side, the Egyptians on the other side, and this is the word of the Lord. Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see them again, because their bones will be laying at the bottom of the Red Sea. Psalm 144 verse two tells us he is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield. And he and him I will take refuge. Who subdues people under me? He is my steadfast love, he is my fortress. God promises to deliver us. Number two, God will be our shield. He will be our protector. He, he will be that bulletproof vest, but it doesn't just cover our vest. He covers us from head to toe. Ephesians 6.11 told us to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes, the tricks of the enemy. Psalm 3.3 3 says, You, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. Psalm 18.2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I'm giving these verses because I want to give you more ammunition of truth when you need to stand, because this is the truth of God's word. So God promises to deliver us. God promises he will be our shield. What does being a shield imply? That people are going to be after you. That the attack is going to be pointed at you. It means that you will need protection. But God says, I've got this. I will be your protector. If God is for me, who can be against me? Lastly, God will stay by our side. He will never leave us. He will never abandon us. He will never forsake us. No matter how dark the night gets, no matter how strong the enemy is, no matter how tired you get, the Bible promises God will never leave you nor forsake you. In Joshua chapter one, Joshua has waited for 40 years to enter into the promised land and God comes to him and he says, Joshua, you're the man that's gonna lead the people in. You're the one that I've chosen to succeed Moses. You're the one that will divide up the inheritance. You are the man that will stand in front of me. And then God gives him this promise in Joshua chapter one and verse five. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God promises to always be by your side. And may I be as bold to say, even when you make a mistake, even when you fall, God is still by your side to pick you up and help you stand. Psalms 118 and verse six says, "'The Lord is is on my side, I will not fear.'" What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side. Psalm 118, verse 7, the next verse. The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. Romans 8:31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? When all is said and done, when all of the dust settles, God is looking for Christians. God is looking for individuals that will stand. Just stand. Stand in the truth of God's word. Stand in the promise of God's deliverance. Stand in expectation and excitement to see what God is going to do next. That's what it means to stand. You stand in your role. You do your part trusting God because God will do his part. I want to invite everyone to stand this morning. And as we're wrapping up, I want to ask you a couple quick questions. Where are you at in your journey of trusting God with your whole heart? Maybe you're struggling with that leaning on your own understanding. You're struggling with that desire to want everything, to understand how everything's going to work out. But God's speaking to you, trust me. I've got it. I've been there. Actually, I see the whole picture. And I've got you. I'm never going to leave you nor abandon you. I won't send you out into the battle and let the enemy run out and overrun you. Are you struggling? Where are you at in your journey of trusting God with your whole heart? Not and even I'm gonna be more bold than that. I'm not gonna say in the big picture. I'm gonna stay in the situation you face right now. And the difficulty that, that you've been dealing with right now that maybe you haven't even shared with anyone else. I wanna ask you, where are you at in your journey And that moment of trusting God? Because I'll tell you, it's easy to trust God with your whole heart when everything's going good. But when you're standing in the heat of the battle and and you see fellow Christians falling alongside you, do you know what it means to trust God with your whole heart? If you're struggling, we want to pray with you that today. As we talked about having a part When standing this morning, when we talked about the vision bearer, we talked about the risk taker, we talked about the prayer support, we talked about the authority or the legitimacy, if one of those things just kind of struck your heart, we want to pray with you today. Because maybe God's calling you to a different level of standing than you ever thought before. Again, you don't have to understand it, you just have to be willing to act on it. Maybe you're in a place where you just need some encouragement because you felt like you stood alone. Maybe you failed on the battlefield before. And the enemy has come to you and said, You're not worthy. You're not strong enough. That's not for you. And in your weakness, in your discouragement, you've believed the lie. God wants to free you from that lie today. You are worthy. You are able, and God wants you to stand because really standing is not a choice it 's just a matter of how long you stand if If one of those things this morning it just kind of spoke to your heart, I want to invite you to raise your hand because we just want to pray today. Thank you, thank you. God wants to encourage you, He wants to give you the strength to stand He wants you to He wants to help you understand your role that needs to be played in standing. And he also wants to encourage the discouraged because that's who my God is. My God's an encourager. My God's an equipper. My God's an overcomer. My God is not bound by the situation or the time. My God is not bound by any government. My God is not bound by any circumstances or any financial provision. My God is well able to do exceedingly above and beyond what I could ask or imagine. That's the God I serve and that's the God we're praying to today. Mordecai stood on behalf of the Jews. And on that day, all that sought to eliminate the Jews were put in the grave. And Mordecai finds himself exalted to the the highest place just below Esther in the kingdom. Why? Because he trusted God to do what he promised to do. And God's just asking, do you trust me? Father, we thank you for the truth in your word. We thank you for the story of, of Esther and, and Mordecai's determination to stand even in the face of impossible situations, Father God. He stood and you delivered, Lord. And I pray for each and every situation that's represented in this room today where people are struggling and standing, Father God. I release Holy Spirit to come and sweep through their life to encompass them with the arms of encouragement and purpose and the ability to continue strong. Those that are growing weary on the battlefield, Father, I pray you will send somebody to stand with them because they don't have to stand alone. I pray for the truth that you are always by their side to never be far from them. And I pray for them to feel the presence when they stand, Father God. I pray for vision bearers to rise up in here and stand for the vision that God has for the Winchester area, Father God. I pray for risk takers to rise and to stand and say, I'm willing to take God at his word. I pray for the prayer support to rise up even stronger than it has in this church, Father God, that you will call prayer warriors together to stand on behalf of what you want to do for this nation and the nations of the world. Father, I pray for legitimacy to what you're doing in Crossroads to be evident by other people. We don't need it, Father God, but it provides the encouragement, Father God. I pray for people that that need an infusion of authority for what you've called them to do, that you will give them that authority to stand on your behalf, Father God. It's not over until you say it's over, Father God. And we will stand until you've said it's over.